So this is part three of our teaching series called From Great to Good. What we're doing in this series is inviting each other into a culture of goodness. We, we want to prioritize the pursuit of being good over you know, the chase to be great. Because often what we've noticed is that attempting to be great requires us to sacrifice being good. To have that discussion today, I want to jump into a New Testament text from, for you in Matthew chapter 12. The text, which is a miracle story of Jesus, reads like this. It says, going on from that place, Jesus went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And he said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. So here you have this miracle story. And I think you can kind of detect quite quickly, there's a subtext to this miracle story. It's not just a story about a man and how he was healed by Jesus, but there's this underlying narrative going on about the Sabbath and whether Jesus is allowed to do good on the Sabbath. Which brings this question into the middle of the story, is it okay to do good on the Sabbath? Which leads us to a fairly obvious question, what is Sabbath? To track that, we have to go back again to the beginning. Remember where we started in part one of this series in Genesis 1? Well, let's go back there one more time. This time in Genesis 1, we look towards the end of this creation story in verse 31. And the text in Genesis 1 verse 31 reads like this, God saw the all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Now, God's just made humans at this point in this narrative. The text continues, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. The idea of Sabbath arrives in the biblical story as part of the rhythm of creation. So if you read Genesis chapter 1 through to verse 31, the first 30 verses, you'll see this rhythm that happens, that there's a day that God creates something on that day. God sees that that something was good, and then this little phrase appears. It says, there was evening, and then there was morning. And just take note of that. Not there was morning and there was evening, but there was evening and then there was morning. And this is the daily rhythm of this creation story. Every day something happens, God creates something, and there was evening and there was morning. 
But then you step back, you now realize there's another rhythm going on in this idea of this week, that there's six days of work and one day of rest. So there's a daily rhythm of evening rest into morning work. And then there's a weekly rhythm of six days of work and one day of rest. But notice that evening morning pattern. It's quite interesting if you take that and the creation story and just pay attention. On day six, Adam is made. Now, Adam's made on day six, so humanity enters this story on the sixth day, which means that if you just follow this story and just immerse yourself in this story for a moment, what the story tells us is Adam's first day was a day of rest. So Adam doesn't work six days and then get a day off, but rather he starts with a day off and from that day off moves into a place of work. Now think about that daily rhythm. There was evening and there was morning. The rest comes first and from the rest comes a place of work. There's a pattern essentially is what I'm saying. There's a pattern of work and there's a pattern of rest. But all of the things in this creation story come from this place of rest. Think about that in your own daily context. Sleep and rest are rhythmic. Like you probably sleep roughly the same amount of time every single night. In fact, regardless of the day you've had, you probably sleep roughly the same amount of hours. Even when you're on vacation and pretty much doing nothing for the whole day, you still seem to need the same amount of sleep. Why? Well, the creation story would argue that this is the rhythm and the patterns that we're built to. So if there's a daily pattern, why not a similar weekly pattern? And essentially, the creation story within the Jewish Bible is pushing this idea and this notion that there's something deeply rooted into creation about the way that we work as humans. Let me say it like this. Sabbath, this idea of a day of rest, is mirroring the rhythms of creation. So later on in the Hebrew Bible, the scriptures of the Jewish people, Sabbath becomes a rule. Sabbath becomes more than just something we observe, but something that we do. So when you get to Exodus chapter 20, notice the words. Exodus chapter 20 says, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall do no work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town. So nobody does any work on the Sabbath. This is what it says in Exodus chapter 20. Visitors, guests, not even animals. Day off for everybody. Why? Well, the text continues. Exodus 20 says this, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So Sabbath mirrors the deep structure of the universe that God made and called good. Sabbath is rooted in how the world is made. Exodus says, keep the Sabbath holy because that's how God made the world. And when God made this world, he called it good. So there's something good about being in sync with the world. The rabbi Jonathan Sachs, he says this, God who teaches us how to act in the world is also the maker of the world in which we act. 
So God makes the world and shows us how to behave in a world. God says, this is the rhythms that the world keeps. You should perhaps try and keep these rhythms yourself. But then, if we continue to track our way through the Hebrew Scriptures, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, the story comes back round and the Ten Commandments are visited once more. So we saw a chunk of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, but in Deuteronomy chapter 5, they revisit them as part of their story, and they say, let's look again at the Ten Commandments. And so you find this verse, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any of your foreign, any foreigners residing in your towns, and so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. So, pause in the text there for a second, and you think, oh, wait a minute, this is exactly the same as what we let, read in Exodus. Because now in Deuteronomy 5, they're going to give you the logic behind this. Remember, the logic in Exodus was, well, because God made the world in seven days, so that's why we follow this pattern. But in Deuteronomy 5, the logic for why the seventh day is holy goes like this. It says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Okay, so let's just pause for a second. In Exodus chapter 20, what we find there is we observe Sabbath because that's how God made the world. But in Deuteronomy chapter 5, we observe Sabbath because we were slaves once in Egypt. So how do these two things go together? Well, the people of Israel are taken into slavery into Egypt. That becomes part of their story. They find themselves in a foreign land working for a foreign power. And this foreign power, I think it's fair to say, is a, well, it's an empire pursuing greatness. The Egyptians used their slaves to build these incredible monuments to their own success and abilities. I mean, you can still go and see some of those monuments. The pyramids are still standing, things that were built thousands of years ago. I mean, it's pretty impressive. And they were built on the backs and the lives of slaves. The Israelites were stuck in Egypt and they're in slavery. But here's the thing about being a slave. You don't get a day off. Why? Because you're a machine. You're a product, you're a commodity. You're designed to just do whatever you're told. And if a slave dies, you just get a new slave. You don't care for your slaves more than you need to to keep them working. They're not human. They're not considered equal with everybody else. If you're in a culture or a context or a country or an empire that has slaves, what you know and what you learn and what you're reminded of every single day is there is a scale to life and you are at the bottom of it. And then God rescues the Israelites from Egypt. He rescues them from slavery. And God's dream for Israel is not that they're imprisoned. It's not that they're enslaved. Rather, he introduces them to a new way of living, a way that doesn't pursue greatness, but a way of goodness, a way of, of having rhythm to life. So when God comes to the Israelites and he offers them Sabbath, notice the first time we hear of Sabbath, it's because 
It's the rhythm of the world. But the second time we hear about Sabbath, it's because you're not a slave anymore. A slave that doesn't produce is not a good slave. So God giving the Israelites a day off, instituting this rule of Sabbath, which is in line with the rhythm of creation, is reminding them of their value. Their value is not found in what they create. Their value is not found in what they do. Their value is found in just who they are and who God is. So what is Sabbath about? Well, here's a quote. If we look around us, we see that the cosmos is in order. It's marked by harmony, design, and beauty. However, human society is much more marked by conflict, oppression, and disorder. Shabbat, or Sabbath, is the restoration of internal harmony and their alignment with each other. When cosmos and society are in tandem perfection, this is a messianic state. This is what Rabbi Irving Greenberg says in his book, The Guide to the Sabbath, that Sabbath brings us as humans back in line with the way God made the world. And when we get these in line, he's like, this is the space that the Messiah wants us to live in. So as Christians then, we circle back to Matthew chapter 12. What does the Messiah ask in Matthew chapter 12? Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Well, the Sabbath was always about good. It was about the value inherent in everybody. It was about realizing that one person is as important as another person, that goodness is at the heart of who God is. Now, take that though, and let's think about where we are as a society right now. Like busyness has become a badge of honor for us. Busyness has become a way that we, we, we live. Almost, it's just normal. How are you? People say, well, I'm busy. It's an acceptable response to the question. But I wonder if sometimes our busyness is not a way of dealing with our, our sense of inferiority, our, our sense of insecurity. Maybe I'm not as great as I'd like to be, but if I can just be busy and look like I'm trying to get there, that might be enough. That might be good enough for where I'm at. Or are we all pursuing greatness at such a level that we just can't stop? And is that good for us? Or is that a form of imprisonment, a form of slavery, not dissimilar to what the Israelites struggled about and with in Egypt? David Zoll in his book, Seculosity, asks this question, or rather <laughs> says this thing, he says, busyness now serves as a barometer of personal enoughness and therefore justification. The more frantic the activity, the better. The implication, of course, is that if we're not over-occupied, we're inferior to those who are. Busyness has become a virtue in and of itself. But what we're beginning to notice is this is causing immense issues on our mental health and our well-being. And that's not to mention what it's doing to younger generations and, and our children who are being asked to keep up and overperform from increasingly younger and younger ages. Slaves in Egypt 
are always on. They're always working. They're always performing. But God's rhythm of creation is a rhythm that says it's okay to turn off sometime. It's okay to switch off sometime. This is Sabbath. It's rooted in creation and it's rooted in the liberation and freedom from slavery to things that would drive us to overproduction. Which makes me want to ask the question, are we out of sync with the world? Are we, are we out of sync with the ultimate reality that is God? If we're not in sync with creation, are we then perhaps not in sync with God? Which kind of makes me want to ask, has our quest for greatness become bad for us? But the Sabbath, the Sabbath is for good. And I think the logic still stands. I still think there's something worth pursuing. When we turn Sabbath into a rule, we turn Sabbath into a religion, it becomes unhealthy. But if we dig below that to the creational rhythm and release from slavery, we can see why Sabbath is good. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs continues, he says, on the Sabbath, we do no work, nor are we permitted to employ others to work. All relationships of hierarchy and dominance are temporarily suspended. One day in seven. During the six weekdays, we think of ourselves as creators, but on the seventh, we become aware that we are also creations, part of the natural order, whose integrity we are bidden to respect. And the Sabbath is the most compelling tutorial in human dignity, environmental consciousness, and the principle that there are moral limits to economic exchange and commercial exploitation. It's one of the great antidotes to consumerization and commodification. Like, think about what Rabbi Sachs is saying there. He's hanging a lot of weight it's like a huge amount of weight on one day off a week. But what he's saying is in that one day off, we're all leveled again. We're all treated like humans again. If we, everybody gets a day off, we stop exploiting, we stop commodifying, and it actually gives us a, stand, a moment to step away from our consumerization. So what we see is that the Sabbath imagination is rooted and still rooted today if we want it to be in solving the same problem that existed in Egypt. We have a tendency as humans to become imprisoned within systems, to become slaves to ways of being. And if we let that roll out, these systems and ways of being destroy us because we forget about our value and purpose. And sometimes we forget about the value and purpose of others. We stop being good. But also, if you think about it, if you'll per permit this continued rest in the idea of Sabbath, Sabbath also challenges our pursuit of greatness. Because Sabbath reminds us that we're not in control of everything. In fact, Sabbath might even remind us that we're not in control of much at all. In his excellent work on Sabbath, Abraham Joshua Heschel talks about how humans have a form of control over space. We can build things and shape things and create things, but we have no control over time. Time just keeps marching on and there's nothing we can do about it. 
But because of our excessive control over space, we sometimes forget that we're not in control of time. We forget that we're not in control of everything. And Sabbath helps us remember that. Like, have you ever said, if I just had more time, or if the day just had more hours. There's this kind of underlying belief that if I could control time, I'd be so much better at everything. I'd get so much more done, we would say. I would do so much better on that exam, or I'd do so much better in my workplace. We have this kind of belief that we would be greater if we could control time. And Sabbath comes along and reminds us, you can't. And you need to rest and step back and actually that would be better. It forces us to confess that it's hard to be great when you can't control the clock. But maybe we're not supposed to. In his book, Velvet Elvis, Rob Bell has this excellent moment where he says this. He says, I realized that my life was all about keeping the adrenaline buzz going and that I was only really happy when I was going all the time. And when I stopped to spend a day to remember that I'm loved just because I exist, I found out how much of my efforts were about earning something I already have. So Sabbath is taking a day a week to remind myself that I did not make the world and that it will continue to exist without my efforts. Sabbath is a day when my work is done even if it isn't. Sabbath is a day when my job is to enjoy, period. Sabbath is a day when I am fully available to myself and those I love most. Sabbath is a day when I remember that when God made the world, he saw that it was good. Sabbath is a day when I produce nothing. Sabbath is a day when I remind myself that I am not a machine. Sabbath is a day when at the end I say, I didn't do anything today, and I don't add, and I feel so guilty. Sabbath is a day when my phone is turned off, I don't check my email, and you can't get a hold of me. Because Jesus wants to heal our souls. He wants to give us the shalom, the peace of God. And so we have to stop, we have to slow down, we have to sit still and stare out of the window and let the engine come to an idol. What if your exhaustion is because your rhythm is off, because you're out of sync? Perhaps you've played in a band or you've been some night to hear a band in your local bar and everybody's playing, but one instrument is just a little bit behind. Perhaps you went to the recital at your kid's school. And we know what it's like to listen to a beautiful piece of music where one piece is out of sync. What if our whole lives are like that? What if our pursuit of greatness and our convincedness that we continue to always be on, that we're always busy, that we're never switched off? What if our exhaustion isn't just simply because we've got a lot to do, but because we're out of rhythm with the way God made the world? Like what if we struggle to keep up because the pursuit of a veneer of holiness generates deep dysfunctions in our lives? 
that we're trying to look like we've got it all together, that we're doing God's work, that we're doing what He shaped and made us for. But even if God made you for what you do, He also made you for rest. You see, goodness is rooted in the idea that you don't need to be great, that you can take time off, that you need to take time off, and that if you don't take time off, your chance of being good starts to diminish. Did you know that mammals that are sleep deprived heal more slowly than others? See, we are a tired and exhausted people. And I think the fatigue is real. Our bodies, our minds, our souls are tired at the minute. And if you're really honest with yourself, after the past year or so that we've had, you can feel it, right? The coffee, the Red Bull, it's not covering up the exhaustion from COVID, from pandemic work, from Zoom calls all the time. But what if the exhaustion is holy? What if the exhaustion is actually God's way of reminding us that our value isn't in how much we create or how much we produce or how great we are? What if exhaustion is God's way of telling us that we're out of sync? What if the exhaustion is rooted in us as organic humans, reminding us that the world rests and so do we? And if we rest, we find goodness. Sabbath, (laughs) like taking a break, having a rhythm of being off, being away from the screen. These are the moments that help us resync with the way that we are made. Let's just rewind for a second to where we started and end with a really simple observation. Jesus asks the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 12, is it okay to do good on the Sabbath. And Jesus' decision is that yes, it is okay to do good for the Sabbath because the Sabbath is about goodness. The Sabbath is reminding us of goodness. So Jesus embraced the goodness of the Sabbath and he healed the man. But the Pharisees, they went away and began to plot on how to kill Jesus. Jesus embraced goodness and some people tried to kill him. Perhaps we need to embrace goodness because the alternative might be way more destructive than we realize. Sabbath is a call to step away from overwork and find your value in a different way. See, Sabbath invites us, invites us to step off the runaway train to greatness and embrace goodness. So may you Embrace a rhythm of rest. May you know that you are loved even when you produce nothing. May you believe that your goodness is more important than any destructive greatness. And may you learn quickly that you can take a day off, that you can switch your phone off. And may you know deep within yourself that if you don't reply to that message today, the world will still be here tomorrow. Grace and peace to you.